What we fill our mind with often becomes a reality. What we focus on becomes the thing that grows in our life. But far too often we focus on the negative. And I don't just mean you assume the worst in everybody. Like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you and I aren't trying to focus on the negative. But we fill our minds with all kinds of noise that isn't helpful. Like, consider this for a moment. How many hours this last week did you spend on social media? Or what about watching or reading or listening to the news? Or what about just filling your time and your thoughts with all of your favorite TV shows? Or the music you love to listen to? See, our minds are influenced by what we put into them. In the same way that the things I eat change the way I feel and the energy I have to do what I need to do, the things I consume in my mind change the way I think. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay. Because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is good to be here with all of you on this day that is warming up and going to be so wonderful outside. How many of you enjoyed the week of rain that we were supposed to have? I certainly loved all of the rain that didn't show up. It was wonderful. I have a confession for each of you today. You may or may not know this about me, But there are two ways to really quickly become my new best friend. Either sit around a fire with me, I'm always down for that, or feed me. And if you do either of those things, great. But if you do both of them together, let me tell you. See, what many of you may or may not know by looking at me is I really like food. I like food a lot, and I don't just like the taste of food. I like the experience of food and the act of eating food. And I like everything about the smells of food and the life surrounding food. And every now and then, more often than I wish to admit, my sinfulness rears its ugly head. And that joy that comes from food becomes overindulgence and gluttony. I'm sure none of you ever have that problem, right? It's just so good, you want one more taste, one more bite. And you just have one more, one too many times, until you're so full that there's only one thing left to do with the day. Sleep. Or sit in a recliner wishing you were asleep. You got kids, you got to responsibly make sure they're okay. So I'm going to sit here, don't mess with dad today. I ate too much. Have you ever been in that place? That overindulgence, you feed yourself too much of something good, and now there's really nothing left but apathy? 
I'm just going to sit here and if the house burns down, then so be it. Today, as we continue in Philippians, there's another way in which I think we feed ourselves, not physically, but mentally. A way in which we feed our minds, and far too often, we feed our minds with all kinds of unhealthy things, and non-nutritious things, and things that might be good, but because of our overindulgence, there's really not much left that we have to give to anybody. Just real quick review, if you haven't been with us, Paul in this book in Philippians, he's writing to the people of Philippi, and he's encouraging them to live a life worthy of the gospel. One that is different than the life of those who live for this world. For the emperor, or for the king, or for good pleasures, or for whatever this world might offer. He says, you should be different. And he describes this different, worthy life by describing what it means to live humbly. To serve others, to find joy in your sufferings. He describes what it means to surrender our anxiety. Last week we looked at the reality that our anxiety is only cured spiritually with prayer. And there's also the reality that sometimes we need some additional help that helps things that are not spiritual but maybe physical or biological. But spiritually the only way we calm our soul and find peace is through prayer with thanksgiving. And Paul, he concludes that in verse 7 of chapter 4 with this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when we pray, God guards us. He keeps us protected and safe. And then he continues with these next two verses. He says this, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those th these things. We're just going to start right there with this verse. You see, Paul, he says that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds and then he tells us, think about these things. Now, listen to this list again. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, real quick, how much of your thoughts are on these things? See, I don't think most of us intend to think on bad things. But I think we eat a diet of really unhealthy thoughts. We feed our mind with all sorts of negative, and then we wonder why can't we find God in this season? We feed our mind with all kinds of things that fill us with this overindulgence, and then we feel like there's nothing left to think about things that are good or true. When we first moved to Knoxville a couple years back, 
my wife and I were suddenly hit with the reality that Knoxville is much more in the South than we expected. (laughs) Those of you laughing are probably not from the South originally. You know what I'm talking about. If you're from the South, this may come as a shock to you. Let me just spoil your whole worldview. The South is strange for a lot of reasons. But among the reasons, one of the things I discovered, it took about a year to figure this out. Here in the South, there's this Christian culture that tells people it's not okay to be mean. So you have to be nice all the time even when you're trying to say something mean. And so we say things like, bless your heart, which to everybody not from the South sounds like a compliment. But you know, that is not a thing you want to hear. We say things about our plans and our purposes, our agendas, that aren't necessarily deceptive, but they're not altogether true. Like maybe there's somebody who says, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? And the truth is you have zero interest in coming over for dinner. You can't just tell them, no, I don't really want to. Because that's rude, right? That's too blunt and direct. That's what those Yankees do. No, instead, I would love to. Cool, when can we do this? I'm really busy. I'll let you know. And you just never get around to letting them know? Have you noticed that about the South? I did. And there's a really tough adjustment. You see, because we're constantly saying things that aren't exactly what we mean, we're trying to be kind when we're actually thinking something mean, we're trying to act loving when we really don't want to love, what we end up doing here in the South is creating a lack of trust for everything somebody else says. And so, if you tell me something, I'm going to immediately fill it in with the possible negative. For example, hey, I would really love to grab a drink, but I'm super busy, I can't grab a drink. And unconsciously, what I start to begin to believe is you're not actually interested in grabbing a drink. I think of how this changes our interactions with the people around us. We begin to assume everything they say is probably not what they mean. So we begin to wonder, what are they saying? And most often our minds go to places where what they're saying or doing or how they're living is entirely against me or you or us. And so we begin to walk around assuming the worst in everyone. Have you ever noticed this? I shortly after getting here was really struggling because I was beginning to think this way and act this way and I really didn't know why. I hadn't identified, this is what I notice in our culture around us. And I was talking with somebody here at the church. I'll call him out by name. I don't see him in here, so I can. Roger. You know, I was talking to Roger and and I was telling him about the struggle and why I just didn't know what people thought. And he said, you know, I learned from Pastor Matt one time I was like, oh, this is going to be good. If you don't know, Pastor Matt was the previous pastor here. Got a lot of respect for the guys. Okay, what is it you learned? He said, anytime there's a blank or something missing in a conversation, just start with wondering what would be the best possible positive to fill that in with. And just go with that until it's proven wrong. I was like, well, that seems really simple. What, what does that look like? 
hey, I would love to go get coffee with you, but I'm really busy. What does that mean? They want coffee, but they're busy. Great, let's find another time to have coffee. Now, if you're going to think this way about other people, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt and begin to speak this way to other people. Speak in the most positive, which is actually the most truthful. Don't speak beating around the bush and kind of working your way there. Just be direct. Hey, I really love you. I just don't have time for coffee any time in the next six months. So if you could put it on my calendar seven months from now, I can't wait to get coffee then. Just be honest. But I was thinking about this phrase, this idea, just fill in the blank with the positive. How many relationship problems could be fixed if that's how we started our thought process about the relationship. So when your spouse and you are fighting and your spouse seems to be a total idiot, which my wife knows all too well, your spouse just seems to be completely wrong rather than starting with all the things they're doing wrong. What might be the positive they're trying to do instead? Let's just start there. You know what, I know Adam's a total idiot, but he really wants to love me. So how do I show him or tell him what that looks like to love me well? If we start with the positive, our outcome is almost always more positive. And this isn't just true in our relationships. Now, Martin Luther, in his understanding of the Old Testament and kind of the basics of faith, he was going around in the 1500s and discovered pastors at the time knew nothing, which isn't much different 500 years later. And these pastors knew nothing about the basics of faith, so he wrote a book called The Small Catechism. And it was really a super simple explanation of what do we believe when we read scripture. And in it, he went through the Ten Commandments, and you guys know the Ten, Ten Commandments, perhaps. One of them is do not lie, or do not bear false testimony against your neighbor. And as he was describing what does that commandment mean, he always, in all the commandments, gave what you should not do and what you should instead do. And for that one, what he said, what you should instead do, in order to not lie, you should put the best construction on everything or seek to explain it in the nicest of way. So what does it look like? Well, this idea of putting the best construction on it is something that our world around us is beginning to notice. Maybe you've heard of the psychology of resilience. Have you heard of that? Maybe you haven't heard that language. It's sometimes called the power of positive thinking. And I'm not talking about the positive thinking that's like, today I think I'm a millionaire and I'm going to become one. No, I'm not creating something into existence, but rather the power of positive thinking. For much of the world of psychology, for most of the history of that study, they've focused on what's gone wrong. Like what trauma in your childhood, what person screwed you up? How did you get to be so broken? And they focused on the negative. But over the last 50 years, and really the last 20 years, there's been a shift. What if instead of trying to find the brokenness in each person, what if instead we tried to teach them how to see the positive in every situation? What would change? And in this 
uh, psychology and this world of study, what they've discovered is there are people with what they call resilience, the ability to overcome times of great trauma and stress and difficulty with some kind of strength and positivity that doesn't make sense. And as they dive into what in the world is this, how can somebody who grows up in a ghetto, in poverty, surrounded by drugs, how can somebody who comes from a broken family or who experienced great trauma still be a really positive person? How does this happen? And they found that what we fill our mind with often becomes a reality. What we focus on becomes the thing that grows in our life. But far too often, we focus on the negative. And I don't just mean you assume the worst in everybody. Like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you and I aren't trying to focus on the negative. But we fill our minds with all kinds of noise that isn't helpful. Like, consider this for a moment. How many hours this last week did you spend on social media? Or what about watching or reading or listening to the news? Or what about just filling your time and your thoughts with all of your favorite TV shows? Or the music you love to listen to? See, our minds are influenced by what we put into them. In the same way that the things I eat change the way I feel and the energy I have to do what I need to do, the things I consume in my mind change the way I think. And I have to be honest, it's really easy to think about a lot of good things that leave us really unsatisfied. Like social media is not by any means evil. But when we get sucked into this world of negativity and this self-fulfilling prophecy blaming everybody else for the problems we're facing, we begin to look around us and say, surely there's nothing we can trust. Maybe we should just tear it all down and start over new. The news, for example. If you know Ben and Kitty Raymond, I hope you're watching. You usually are. We love you guys. Ben and Kitty Raymond, they work in uh, the news, and they're really clear that their goal in the news and the work they do is to bring joy to people's lives while sharing the truth. And yet, sometimes the truth they have to share is really negative. In fact, a lot of times, I think, whether they want to or not, their job has to require sharing negative because this world we live in is broken and you can't be truthful and ignore all the brokenness that is happening around us. But for you and me, when we find ourselves sucked into consuming more and more and more of what by its nature has a strong element of negativity... It begins to change the way we think. Paul, he writes right after saying, guard your hearts and minds. This peace of God will guard you. He says, think about these things. If you and I can change the way we think, it will change the way we feel. And in turn, it will change the way we act. Think about these things. Whatever is true, How often are our minds consumed with lies? 
Not just lies about the world around us, lies about ourselves. Things like you're shameful. You're not enough. You need to fix your mess. How often do we allow ourselves to perseverate on all that is broken within us? Instead of seeing what is true, that even in our broken mess, God has promised he's making us new. And even in our broken mess, God has promised there will come a day he wipes away every tear. Every tear. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, this word here for honorable conveys a sense of that which has the dignity of holiness. When it comes to the things you watch on Netflix, how many of them cause you to draw closer to God or to think about a lot of things that have nothing to do with God? And no, this is not a sales pitch for listen to Christian music or movies or anything, but it's like, a lot of that stuff's garbage too. I'll just be honest, okay? Most Christian movies are not worth your time. And you can get a lot more of God and Jesus in some secular stuff, but that's a whole nother sermon. No, what is honorable? What actually reinforces in your mind something noble, something holy, something worthy of pursuit? If the things you fill your mind with don't do that, maybe you're missing out. Whatever is just. Fill your mind with what is just. Now in this world, what is just? You could probably ask every one of us and the things we would answer may be different. What is the issue of justice we need to focus on? Well, the truth is we are all made different. And there are different issues of injustice that we've all been placed on our heart that we are called to speak to and maybe act upon. What is just is what creates for all people a sense of equity, the opportunity to draw closer to God. What creates for all people the opportunity to be equally loved by God? That is the justice we should think about. Whatever is pure. As a quick aside, and this is not to condemn or call out any specific person, my personal place of thought, I cannot watch scary movies. Do you know why? Most of them don't scare me because they're pretty predictable. But I can't watch them because the things I think about for days to come aren't things I should be thinking about. And it's not just movies, it's even some TV shows. I realized this shortly after my son, my oldest son was born. See, my wife and I, we were really doing a great job working our way through the TV show Criminal Minds. Like episode by episode, every one of them, we were just crushing it and loving it and watching way too many hours of it right before going to bed. That's a great idea. I wonder why I can't sleep at night. And then I had my firstborn. And the very next episode we went to watch after that was an episode about a child, uh, like, pedophilia, a guy who was kidnapping children and doing terrible things to them. And if you've ever seen the show, the entire show is intended to put you into the mind of these criminals so you can understand the world from their lens. And I realized that's not the world I want to understand. The world that believes that is good or okay is not the world I want in my head. 
And I haven't seen an episode since because I just can't bring myself to do it. Scary movies may or may not be good, but I wonder what is pure? What is actually helping you think about things that are good and honorable? And if it's not, maybe it's just extra noise that's not helpful. Whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then Paul continues. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. See, Paul, he's all about being an example. It's not just enough to tell you live like this or think like this. He says, look, all that you've received from me, everything you've seen in me, if there's any kind of witness that I can be, here's what I want you to do. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And I love how he phrases that. If you've seen anything in me that is worth following, anything that is worth imitating, anything that you see draws you closer to God, practice these things. What's the purpose of practice? I know the saying, practice makes perfect. That's actually not true because you can practice something entirely wrong and get really good at doing it wrong. Did you know that? Practice does not make perfect. Practice, it makes you improved. And it's important to have the right kind of practice because if you're practicing things that aren't improving you, you're going to get better at doing the wrong things. So like when you set that box of chocolates in front of you, to watch Netflix, you're probably going to eat more than one serving. And when you buy a whole pizza or a buy one, get one free coupon, and you buy two because you know the one was free, you're probably going to eat both, whether you're actually hungry or not. Paul, he's encouraging the people, he says, practice these things. You see, walking with God and becoming who God made us to be is not something that happens instantaneously. No, it is a lifelong journey where we continue to practice, which means sometimes we'll come away from practice going, wow, that feels pretty good. And other times we'll walk away really sore going, I have no idea what I just did, and it clearly wasn't correct. And we practice. And we keep aiming at the right things and focusing our attention on the right things and focusing our mind on what is good and assuming the best and filling in every blank instead of a negative, let's give it a positive. What could this be that's good? And as we practice these things, we slowly begin to become better. And I don't mean like sin less. No, I mean our lives begin to be transformed and changed and made new. In fact, in Romans, Paul, who writes this in chapter 12, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we're not to be like this world and like everybody else. Instead, we're to be transformed by the renewal of what? Our mind. Change the way you think, you will change the way you feel. There's a whole lot of practices we can do to change the way we think. Maybe the practice you need to do 
is to actually limit how much time you spend on these negative uh, thought processes. That, that can be something really sp specific like, I'm gonna turn off Netflix after one show or after two shows. Or I'm gonna watch different shows that are maybe less uh, negative and destructive. Or, or you can change it not just in the things you outwardly do, but inwardly. So every time you, you, you catch yourself saying something along the lines like, gosh, you're such an idiot, you always do this wrong. Maybe you can change the way you think by speaking something different. You screwed up, again. Thank God I'm baptized. Thank God he's forgiven me, it'll be okay. This isn't that important. Or you can change the way you think that when you are mad at somebody, you can begin to ask, what might they be doing that's actually positive? Like maybe they're actually on to something and I should listen to them. And we can begin practicing these things that change the way we think, which change everything about us. When our mind is renewed and transformed, the rest of us will follow. There's another practice that you may see here before you that we're going to actually practice today. See, a practice is something done intentionally with repetition for the sake of shaping and forming the way you think, feel, or act. Something you do. And for almost 2,000 years, the church, when we've gathered, has gathered with this practice, intentional repetition of receiving something to change the way we think and feel and act. This practice is one called communion. Here in this meal that we're going to receive, we receive his body and his blood, which he's promised is for the forgiveness of all our sins. So when our mind is consumed with negativity, when our thoughts are filled with things that are dishonorable or that are not pure or that are not praiseworthy, we can come to this meal and we can confess, God, I am broken, but you've promised to renew me. And we can receive something new, a diet that doesn't leave us apathetic and wanting to sit in the recliner all day, but instead a spiritual diet, something that feeds our body and our soul to renew our mind and say, I want to change the way I think about myself, about others, about this world around me. So here in a moment, we're going to practice communion. But here's this promise at the end where we'll finish with Philippians before we get to communion. Paul writes, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In all of the craziness of this world, there will be hardships and difficult times and times where your mind is consumed with all that is bad. But if we practice focusing our minds on what is good, on what is honorable, on what God has promised and what God has done, if we practice shifting the way we think away from our brokenness and onto his healing, the God of peace will be with you. And no matter what may come our way, we'll be strengthened to stand. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you have called us to change the way we think to think on whatever is true, whatever is honorable. 
God, whatever is, is pure and worthy of praise, we confess to you that we often fix our mind on what is not good. We fill it with noise that makes it hard to hear what is true. God, we confess that we often consume an unhealthy diet that leaves our mind filling in the blank, not with what is good, but what, with, with what might go wrong. So Lord, we ask today as we practice receiving this gift you give us, eating your body and blood, taking and drinking, which you have poured out as we practice, would you renew our minds? Help us to focus on what you have done, on who you say we are, on what you are still doing in our midst. And in this meal, may we encounter you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like I mentioned, for 2,000 years, the church has been centering our gathering around this meal. And for the last couple of months, with COVID, it's been sporadic for us. And I'm excited to say going forward, we're going to get back into a regular rhythm of practicing this meal, of gathering together and receiving what God freely gives, his very body and his blood. And in this meal, he invites all who are sinful to come and receive but there's a little bit of a warning to that. You see, we are to come and receive his very body and blood, not something that represents it, not something that reminds us of it. No, him, his very body and blood in the flesh. So that wherever we go, whatever we do, we can go knowing that the God of peace is with us. We don't need to hope arbitrarily. We can say with confidence he has promised and he is. And the warning that comes with this meal is if we receive it in an unworthy manner, it could be really bad for us. So what does it mean to receive this meal in a worthy manner? Well, one, are you baptized? Have you been brought into the, the family of God? If you're baptized, are you sinful? See, this meal is only for sinners. So if you're here and you're perfect, you don't need this. Are you sinful? Third, is Jesus the only hope for your salvation? Is he alone the only one who can renew your mind and change your life and fill your spirit with that which is good? If he's not, this meal's not for you. And if you're here and you're baptized and you're sinful and he alone is the only hope, do you believe his promises that when he said he's here with us in this meal, he meant it? If you believe he's actually with us and for us in this meal, then there's one last thing for you. Do you believe that when he said, in this meal, you are forgiven, do you believe that forgiveness is for you? Not for the person next to you, not for the other person that you know needs forgiveness, for you. If you're here today and you can answer yes to all five of those things, you can come and receive what he freely gives. You see, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and broke it and gave it to them and said, take and eat all of you. This is my body 
broken for you. In the same way he took the cup. After giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, take and drink all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this often in remembrance of me. So now I'm going to use some hand sanitizer, invite you to do the same when you come on up. I'm going to commune the band and the assistants, and then they're going to help you come forward and receive this gift he gives. As we hear the band singing, feel free to sing along. Feel free to take some time in your seat and reflect on your sin. Where has your mind not focused on what is honorable or pure or right? Confess that to him and come and be forgiven. Church, whatever you may go through this week, think about this. May this, the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in faith and give you his peace to life everlasting. Amen. So if you didn't know, Easter is four weeks away. That's happening. I can't wait to be here with you and to celebrate and hopefully to celebrate in the weeks leading up to that too. But now we get to do questions Uh, The questions you text in, I'll do my best to try and respond to. Yes. All right. Um, We have a handful today. The first one is, while in prison, Paul had a lot to put on paper. So where did his pen and paper come from? Great question. I don't know. Great answer. (laughs) Presumably a Christian gave it to him, but I don't know. Um, All right. Second this is a, just a helpful tidbit. Okay, everybody. Snacksident. Noun. When food, a snack, is consumed in an accidental, often regrettable way, this can refer to accidentally eating food out of questionable quality and or quantity. Snacksident. Snacksident. I have a lot of snacksidents. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you can file an insurance claim, but I should. <laughs> All right. This, uh, there's two questions here. Well, Uh, actually mostly two thoughts here, two thoughts. Um, I'd love to see the point involved in some sort of prison ministry uh, or maybe our local jail or juvenile detention. Yes, sounds awesome. If you have some contacts or a passion, let's figure out a way to make that happen. Beautiful. Um, And second, I understand the social distancing, but everyone was close in line waiting to spread out for communion. Um, It seems like we could have just done it the way we did at the movie theater to have people go faster. Yeah, we're experimenting. We're trying our best and uh, doing what we can to try to create a space that's safe and healthy for everybody and everybody feels welcome. So uh, if it felt a little crowded, next time we do communion, just do your part and keep a little bigger distance. We'll keep trying. So Trial and error. Um, okay, practicing. last question. What? We're practicing. Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> practicing. With confession and absolution, why do some faiths conduct it and others don't? And with absolution, can anyone give it who is a Christian? Ooh, those are great questions. Uh, Why do some practice and some don't? The really simple answer is uh, some denominations say, well, we're already forgiven in Jesus. We don't need to continue to be forgiven. But uh, here in this church body, we think that in the same way my wife knows I love her, but it's still good to hear that often. Um, It's also good to hear that forgiveness over and over again. It helps reshape the way we think and feel about it. So um, yes, uh, it's not a thing we must do, but it's really good to do. And second, can any Christian give absolution? 100% yes. 
Uh, if you're a Christian, every time you forgive somebody, whether it's through formal absolution and conf- or confession or whether it's just somebody who cuts you off and you say, hey, I forgive you for doing that, your forgiveness only comes from Jesus all the time. So if you're a Christian, forgive everybody all the time and make it happen. Is that it? That was it. Cool. Thanks for not being too tough on me today, guys. Uh, as you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.